You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. This week, President Donald Trump suggested it would be best and easiest to get work done on his agenda if the Senate changed its rules and eliminated the filibuster for legislative measures. That would dramatically change a U.S. Senate that has used the filibuster as a tool for reasonable debate for 100 years. How likely is the filibuster subject to elimination. Joining me now to talk about that and some other issues is Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from here in Michigan. Gary, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be with you, Stephen, as always. Happy Mackinac. I think that's what we're supposed to say up here, right? (laughs) Something like that. It's It's a little, it's an event, right? Wonderful uh, place in Michigan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's talk about what the president said about the filibuster. I'm a big fan of the Senate's rules and the respect that they give to minority voices. Uh, As somebody who tries to work across the aisle, I would imagine that those rules are really important to you as well. This is a president who doesn't have a lot of respect for any traditions, but he does seem very committed to the idea that the Senate should do business differently. What, what, what do you say in answer to that? Well, I think it's uh, it's wrong, and, and I think you're right. It shows his lack of respect for a critical institution uh, in our democracy, and the Senate is supposed to act differently than the House. Yes. Otherwise, the Senate just becomes another House where it's the majority. You know, the Senate uh, has been designed to be the deliberative body, that mm-hmm. things slow down, that you've got to try to find common ground, bring my minority voices uh, to the table, and and get those that kind of legislation that can truly be bipartisan and yeah. is healthy for our democracy. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I, you I, don't have that kind of a slowing down process, uh, which is so important, right. in my mind, to good middle ground, good common sense. Yeah, I, I think it was George Washington or Thomas Jefferson who described it as sort of the hot uh, coffee or tea that comes off the stove being the house. Uh, you pour it into the saucer where it cools, and that's... That's the Senate, and it's sort of worked that way in, in the best times, I guess, in our, in our history. Do you feel like it still works that way? I mean, it, the Senate has changed. The Senate itself has changed in its membership, in the way that partisanship sort of takes over debate in the last 10 or 20 years. Do those changes maybe necessitate a rethinking of the filibuster? No, I, I don't think they do, and I can't speak for the Senate 20 years ago. Right, right. you weren't there. there. Right. So, but, I, but I can speak. So the differences between the House uh, and the Senate, having served six right. years in the House right. prior to now being in the Senate, and I will tell you that it's a completely different feel. One, it's smaller, so you have 100 members in the Senate, so yeah. it's more collegial. You you get to know people better, uh, not only in your own party, but Republicans. I have friends, good friends, who are Republicans yeah. in the Senate. Yeah. And so that kind of uh, collegiality leads to a greater consensus on, on a lot of types of issues. But the rules force it as well, whether it is the 60 votes that you need for cloture, which means you always need a, and now a few Democrats. And uh, when the Democrats are in control, you'll need a few Republicans. Sure. But the other thing is that the the rules of the Senate are very cumbersome. Yeah. And so a lot of how we get by that is with unanimous consent, which means any one senator can stop stuff, which uh, gives you a, a lot of power, but yes. you also have to use that very judiciously because <laughs> you don't want people to remember can that you did that. happen to you that. too, right? And you can happen to you, and, and what you find out is that uh, everybody wants to be nice to each other because no one wants somebody else stopping their legislation yeah. or stopping something from moving forward. So it, it helps force everybody to work together to build friendships and uh, understand we'll have differences in policy. That happens. But sure. 
there's also a lot of common ground that can be found. Yeah. Uh, I, I also want to talk about uh, line five. You have a new proposal to sort of come to a compromise, I guess, and since we're talking about working across the aisle here. At line five, the oil pipeline that runs between uh, the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula up here through the Straits of Mackinac. A lot of concern in recent years about the age of that line, whether it might leak, and if it did, what would happen. Some people are saying it just needs to be closed and we need to find another way to do it. You've come up with uh, an alternative solution. Well, I do believe that it needs to be closed. Uh, right, you so are we, in that. We have to get yeah. to that point, right. uh, and that's not going to happen overnight, but I, I think it's an unacceptable risk to have a pipeline going through an area that has been defined as the absolute worst place for an oil spill <laughs> anywhere in yeah. the entire Great Lakes yes. because of the volume of water that comes through Because of the here. way that the water moves through here at the speed and the volume, it would, it would spread really fast and really far. Absolutely. In fact, the University of Michigan study did some modeling that showed, uh, you know, depending on the conditions, but could spread fairly quickly down to Traverse City area, yeah. or if the currents are going the other way, down to Alpena. Uh, here in Mackinac Island, a major tourist attraction for Michigan. You can't, can't imagine how catastrophic it would be to have right. an oil spill here. And, and it's the volume of water. It's been estimated the amount of water that comes through here is equal to 10 times that of Niagara Falls. Wow. So that's wow. a lot of volume yes. to do that. So it's not a place where you'd want to put a, a pipeline. But so certainly I'm working to make sure that we have stricter rules uh, to safeguard these pipelines. Last year, I was able to pass, uh, in, in a year, uh, unanimous uh, fashion, I may add, to show right? that we do work together uh, to really make the entire Great Lakes Basin a high-consequence area now yeah. that has much stronger protections, and to consider ice cover, which is a big deal here in the Straits. But I've just recently introduced legislation that will also categorize Line 5 and any other pipeline that goes through the Great Lakes as an offshore pipeline, right. which is just common sense. You know, Right now, there are two types of pipelines, onshore uh, and offshore, and if you're an offshore pipeline in the ocean, uh, you have unlimited liability. If right. anything goes wrong, you have to pay for it's everything. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. The taxpayers aren't going to pay for it. But if it's an inshore, there's actually a liability cap. Yeah. And that makes no sense in the straits. Uh, it would be a huge cleanup cost. Yeah. I want to make sure the taxpayers aren't on the hook for that. And so this legislation lifts that cap, makes them pay for it, and they have to prove that they have the financial resources to actually clean up such a disaster. Yeah. When you when you talk about issues like this in the Senate, what, what support do you find from... Republicans uh, who who are supportive of the industries who are pumping oil through that line. Well, you know, it's uh, it's a great question, and I think going back to the legislation that I passed last year, which right. basically Unanimous. created uh, a higher regulatory standard, which is not easy to get with my Republican colleagues yeah. who are not trying to do that certainly, <laughs> and so now we have a much more vigorous, robust regulatory standard for all pipelines operating in the Great Lakes region. So yeah. it's not just Line Five here. In line five, it's not just the straits. I'm also concerned it runs the whole length of the Upper Peninsula, which is a lot of fragile ecosystems that could be damaged. Right. Uh, but I was able to pass that uh, nearly unanimously. Yeah. And it was, uh, usually it's not necessarily a, uh, when it comes to Great Lakes, a Republican-Democratic issue, it's a regional issue. And sure. folks in Arizona will say, why do I care about the Great Lakes? <laughs> uh, but I think there's a growing recognition that the Great Lakes are an important resource for the entire country. It's not, yeah. not just a regional asset. Well, and speaking of that issue, the, the president's budget completely eliminates funding, federal funding, for Great Lakes restoration. I know you're not in favor of that. Uh, what, what support do you think you will get 
from people across the aisle to restore that. I, I think we'll have. We've had that in the past. You know, the Great Lakes Restoration Funding has been a bipartisan issue. Uh, we were threatened with this uh, just recently. We yes. were able to to extend the funding, restore the funding, but that's only through the end of September. Right. And now we've got the the new uh, appropriations, new budget going forward. To me, I just I don't understand President Trump uh, in, in eliminating this funding, which keeps the Great Lakes healthy and, and vibrant. And when you consider the fact that the Great Lakes provide drinking water for 40, 40 million, million people. Americans. I know, that's, that's an unbelievable number. Huge, huge number. So yeah. to think that we wouldn't want to clean up toxic hotspots that are around all around the lakes. You know, we were a very industrial state and before regulations, people did stuff you would never do today. Yeah. But that stuff starts leaching out and contaminating the lakes. We got to clean that stuff up. Yeah. And, and this is- And states uh, can't do it on their own. I mean, it, the states are working together in I think unprecedented fashion to do it. They need help. They need that federal backing and coordination. Absolutely, and the Great Lakes are multi-state. Obviously, this is right. true uh, interstate commerce. That's uh, right. This is what the federal government is all about: our our resources that cross state lines, and in the Great Lakes case, of course, cross national lines yes. too. We've got Canada, so it's an international border. Yeah. Okay, Senator Gary Peters, Democrat from Michigan. Thanks for being here. Great to be with you. Have Steven. a great Mackinac. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. Up next, we will talk with Attorney General Bill Schutte, who is also up here on Mackinac Island.